Welcome to 22 Motivational Minutes with Marlo, where I help passionate entrepreneurs condense an hour of business research into 22 minutes of powerful conversations filled with knowledge, stories, and advice to help you achieve your one-year goal in 90 days. From national stages to your earbuds, I'm here to tell you that it's possible to have a profitable and sustainable business without the fear of overwhelm and uncertainty that comes with being an entrepreneur. It's all mojo and none of the fluff. It's time to get motivated in 22 minutes. Welcome back to this week's episode of 22 Motivational Minutes with Marlo. And this is our brand performance podcast. Now, today our performance conversation is with Steve Shriver. Now, he is, you know, it's tough to find a more authentic serial entrepreneur than Steve. He is a self-proclaimed practicing business person, which that's going to be an interesting conversation. He continues to build the business empire and he loves sharing his lessons along the way. Matter of fact, Steve is just launching his own podcast. He's founded, bought, and sold multiple businesses and had some very interesting failures along the way. So as entrepreneurs, that's going to be a great message for us to listen to as well. And so, you know, he has consulted with hundreds of different startups and he's going to bring his message to the forefront. So Steve, thank you for being on today's episode. Thank you so much for having me, Marlo. Absolutely. You know, we could take multiple directions with our time today, but you know, the thing that we're going to focus on is called the triple bottom line, right? It's people, it's planet, it's profit. And so with that being said, you know, I'm going to let you take the lead. Where are you at with those three very powerful things, Steve? Yeah. So it took me a while to really embrace all three pillars. And so people, planet, and profit with every single one of my businesses, we live by that. And it's real simply put, it's looking at all stakeholders instead of just shareholders. So a lot of companies are, you know, looking at just the shareholder ROI. We're talking about employees, community, suppliers, et cetera, and how you treat all those along the way. Planet, it makes a lot of sense, right? It's like whether uh, you know, you're using recycled material and your impact on the planet, if you're using solar power or wind power offsets, that kind of stuff. And then profit, you need profit. It takes money to give it away. And so one thing that I think is really important for any business person to understand is that these three pillars can be an important tool, whether you love sustainability or not. If you're like, you know, a hippie tree hugger, they can work for you. But if you're like a straight up capitalist, I've watched us make so much more money by embracing the people and planet aspect of it. So I just think that like putting it out there for anybody and not necessarily just the diehard granolas. uh. Yeah, but let's go there for a minute. I mean, you're the CEO of Ecolips, right? So our listeners, if we don't know what Ecolips is, we do want a a really quick deep dive into what Ecolips is, but then a newly acquired business called Bug Soother. And I mean, that's just a fascinating connection that you've just recently had. So take us to Ecolips. Like what was the purpose of launching that company? What does it look like today? And when you talk about like tree huggers, you know, there's a a great infusion of that spirit within your brand. So talk to us about that. Yeah. So in 2003, we recognized that there was no organic lip balm option in the mass market. And so we were like, you know what, we need to fill that need. And organics weren't normal in your grocery stores. They, you know, there might've been a little tiny section with it, with a few organic products, but it just wasn't very common. And now they're fully integrated. So we saw an opportunity. We launched Ecolips the first organic lip balm. And over time, we, you know, literally it was me filling it with a turkey baster and smiling and dialing, get stores to open up in the early days. And just one store at a time, one month at a time, one year at a time, one customer at a time, 
we realized that, yes, we are all in on the organic mission, but we just felt good doing good. But we didn't have really real infrastructure or a way to measure how much good we were doing. And that's when we discovered the B Corp out of California. And so once we became a certified B Corp, now we're getting audited by a third party and you know, getting this assessment by an outside authority to tell us how good we're doing. Fast forward to now, we are sold in 12,000 retail stores. We continue to increase our B Corp score. We have roughly 30-ish organic lip care products that are sold in everywhere from Walmart to your neighborhood natural food store. And then we just acquired this great natural bug repellent brand called Bug Soup. Yeah. That's in an additional 8,000 stores, and there's not a lot of crossover between those stores. So now we get to introduce the brands to each customer base. So Okay. So what is it about organics, Steve? What is it in your background? Where is that fire? Where did it get lit for you early on in life to bring that organic forward? Good question. I fell in love with organic about the same time I fell in love with my wife and outdoors. And so, you know, I met her and she was kind of a young hippie girl. And we were like, you know, natural's good, organic's good, outdoor's good. And she was a lot healthier than I was at the time. And I just started, you know, I adopted a vegetarian lifestyle and more organic. And then like, okay, my eyes were open. It was obvious to me that this had to be my life purpose at that point. Isn't that the way a lot of it happens? I mean, you know, it's kind of like the divine, you're just being led in that direction and you yep. listened, right? And you yeah. just said, hey, I, I just need to bring this. But there was also something about you with your ability, right? Sounds like you're just a bit fearless in order to start a company like that. Where was your mindset when you said, hey, we're going to start Ecolips? What did that even look like for you, Steve? Yeah, it, you know, I am really naive in a lot of ways, like, especially, you know, doing something new. So like launching a brand and competing with mass market brands, we wanted to be like the accessible organic brand and compete with Chapstick and Blistex and Carmex and all that. And it was probably the stupidest thing I've ever done because I didn't realize that it was going to be as difficult and costly as it was to launch a brand. Had I realized it, we probably wouldn't have launched. So it's kind of like naivety is bliss. And we launched, we had some really tough times in 2006, 2009, 2015, you know, to where a lot of people might have closed the business down because we were just getting really big hurdles put in front of us. But nobody's immune to that, right? Entrepreneurs just, you're not immune to it. So what has helped you kind of leverage yourself and build that resilience for you? Because like stated, you know, you've bought and sold, you have five companies right now that are under your umbrella and building your empire. Where's the resilience? for you, Steve? So you mentioned earlier, so like one thing in my practice, my practice of business, like I am practicing the building up of my tolerance to be able to handle my stress load. And my business acumen allows me to now mitigate the risk further. And so things don't seem as risky now as they used to be. But also that resilience is something that I have to practice and, and work on. And really it's in our DNA now. I mean, it's like when you're a startup and you go through really, really tough times and you're sometimes lengths of period where you're not getting paid and stressful times personally and professionally, you get through it, you come out on the other end and it's like, okay, we made it. So every time that happens, I don't want to say it gets better, but it gets a little bit easier to handle. Do you revel in your success? Do you ever just step back and say, hey, we did this, we accomplished this? I'm curious. Not as much as I should. Uh, <laughs> I'll tell you what though, I do believe in like celebrating the good times, right? 
but I also, it's still like, I like the idea of staying hungry and I don't want to admit that I'm successful yet. So the purchase of Bug Soother was such a huge win for us as a company for the state of Iowa by keeping this great brand in Iowa. And it was very humbling and I'm super honored, but that's the first time. And this is, we're only two weeks in after closing. And I literally stepped back. I'm like, oh my God, I earned the right to be able to acquire this brand. You know, it's not something that you could just, you know, pop in and plop down some money and get like, she trusted. Okay. Listen to that mindset right here, you know, I mean, and everything, you know, and this is an entrepreneurial dialed in channel, right? This is like straight at the heart of being an entrepreneur. I mean, all of these things that we're talking about, Steve, you know, but listen to your heart, listen to the space that you're bringing in. And I think it just exudes who you are. And therefore the companies that you build are just that simple extension. So what we do is an extension of who we are. How are you relating to that? (laughs) Are you asking me? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I love the fact that I am deeply rooted in nature because of the businesses I own, right? I'm around natural products all day long and I get to travel to natural environments, not only to promote the products, but to test them out, you know, and I own an outdoor store and a you know, a coffee shop and I love community. So I own an event venue and it's like this whole thing wrapped up into one is feels pretty damn good to be me right now. So (laughs) it's not just eco lips, right? It's like ecosystem and you're building your own ecosystem. So two things before we get to your recent trip to Nepal, because I think that kind of takes us to working in, you know, being within the planet, right? So two things that I witnessed, and I think people need to hear this. You recently went through a repackaging right? A recyclable yeah. repackaging component with Ecolips. What was the decision? And tell us a little bit about that experience. Yeah, so we always try to be innovative with our packaging and ingredients and trying to bring most sustainable product to the table. We were the first to launch a biodegradable lip balm paper tube. Uh, we were the first to launch a refillable lip balm container. And now we have an opportunity. We have, we're the only company that has a plant-based lip balm container. And it is really tricky because being the first to market with each one of these, the other two failed. The consumer adoption was too slow and the expense was too high for us to continue doing them. And now years later, people are doing what we were doing five years ago. I hope it doesn't happen with this one, but basically we put ourselves out there. We you know, innovate and we have this, literally this container that looks like plastic, feels like plastic, but it's plant-based and it's biodegradable. And we are in the middle of launching it right now. Uh, it's called the plant pod and it is absolutely the way that plastic will be in the future. Uh, so if you accidentally, if it gets littered or drops in the ocean, it becomes food for nature. You know, we're still a relatively small company and don't have mass distribution. And so the market will dictate where this thing goes. Okay. So maybe somebody's listening to this. This podcast is rated top 10% globally. So anybody who is listening to this message and has the passion that you have with this and the environment, I definitely know they'll be reaching out. So here's the other thing too. So the pandemic hits, right? And you are a community focused individual, like you're at the heart. Anybody that knows you would call you the mayor, right? Even though you're not technically voted in, but you know, the pandemic hit and you got really innovative and you stepped up with your company and you worked with others to come together because we needed hand sanitizer. Right. 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 Tell us that story. Yeah. 
So immediately we had, I think everybody was in a world of just uh, the unknown factors. But what we did know was that, okay, there were people dying. It was on the rise and there was a shortage of hand sanitizer. And I'm meeting with a good friend of mine who's a business partner at SoCo, Ryan Sunderman, and he's a doctor. And he was like, look, uh, why don't we call up Jeff over at Cedar Ridge, the distillery, and let's use Ecolips's knowledge of formulation and use their alcohol and let's start supplying it. And within 48 hours, we were literally handing out thousands of bottles of hand sanitizer to the public in a drive through fashion. We had hundreds of cars lined up and just people pulling up and we were doing a no-touch deal. And this was in you know March of last year, March of 2020. Yeah. A year later, look at this. I mean, that story gives me goosebumps because I was witnessing it, right? Like as the community, we were watching you on Facebook lives and different things and, you know, just raising your hand saying, Hey, get in the drive. We'll provide it just, and really showed up for the community in such a big, beautiful way. But again, as we're having this conversation, I mean, I think this is just the catalyst of who you are, Steve, and everything that you've ever done. So let's shift gears a little bit. You recently took a trip to Nepal, and I don't think it was your first time there. But right. give us a sense of your adventure. Give us a sense of why you took that trip. You know, we're a year out from the pandemic, and here you go. And right. uh, take a trip that most wouldn't. Talk to us. Okay, so fourth trip to Nepal. When I was there in 2000, I was uh, part of a expedition to clean up Mount Everest. And we I was leading a trek. Uh, there was a team going up to summit the mountain, and I was leading a trek to base camp. And the whole thing was to bring thousands of pounds of trash down from the mountain. And I fell in love with the place. I fell in love with the, you know, the largest mountain range in the world, the Himalayas, and the people are just the most friendly on earth. And I've been to 36 countries. I've met a lot of different people. And I'm telling you, the Nepalese people, oh my God, it's like super, super special. And so I have been back since. And now this is my second trip back there with my wife, Andrea. And we now have friends over there that there was a wedding ceremony. It was a beautiful natural preserve that we, you know, literally there's ele wild elephants and rhinoceroses in the background of this beautiful Nepalese wedding. And then we did a trek. We did the Manaslu trek, which is the eighth largest mountain in the world. And we did a circuit where we reached uh, 17,000 feet in a few days and just, you know, basically every, it was a hundred miles that we covered in five days. So it was pretty, pretty intense. And at altitude, but just being, I get withdrawal from the mountains. So back to that thing, it's like, whatever serves you, you got to find it and get, get that and keep it in your life. And for me, it's the mountains and it's the thin air. And so we had an amazing time and the people there, I, I just need to say, like, I was actually asking a friend, an older gentleman there, how he managed to get through the toughest times. And, and I was like, wait, you've been through this crazy earthquake lot of famine in your life and you have let's see oh the maoist every couple of years just decide i mean they take over the government Kathmandu in nepal and i'm like how do you get through this and his his words were he said i take the hardest times comfortably and i'm like what does that even mean you know like i mean i really had to think about it and ask him and he was like i know that this is the path i'm on and this is where i am today and it, there will i'll be in a better situation again soon and so there's no reason to make too big of a deal about it. And then he went on to say, you can let your worries be the flame and continue to stoke, stoke the fire, or you could let your worries be the smoke and let them dissipate into the air. And I'm just like, okay. <laughs> I 
love it. Okay. Talk about a sense of peace, right? That's what I'm hearing. Just absolute peace exuded and peace is presence. Yeah. So he is very present. He's here. He's now, and he's saying, you know, I'm choosing to build a fire of chaos, or I'm going to live in peace and just absorb where I'm at. And I think that's absolutely brilliant. And you're right. I mean, these experiences, learning from other people and your perspective, I mean, it's a great question. And I'm glad that you asked that. And so, okay, how do you relate to that now though? So like you step back, you replay that conversation. How are you relating, Steve? With all the stuff going on, I find myself in, in a rat race quite a bit and not happy. And struggling with too much or, you know, taking on too many things or putting myself in a position of vulnerability where I have some hardships. And I, but I, for now it's, it's like a mantra, you know, it's just like, okay, all right. Just remember, take the hardest times comfortably. And I also had to dial back. Like I canceled a meeting today. I had too many things scheduled. Right. And I'm like, I have the ability to control this. Why am I in such a rush to get it? And I mean, I'm a highly productive person. But sometimes it's like to my fault, right? So I'm just like, I'm going to push that back a week. That is going to have zero impact in five years. But today is going to make my day a lot better. Okay. So yeah, here's the thing. We work with high achievers, high performers, right? These mavericks, the top 2%. And what I've witnessed in what you're describing in the person that you are, Steve, you know, you find satisfaction in the challenge, right? How are you relating to that when I bring that forward? Yeah. Oh, man. Bring it on. I mean, I have five businesses right now and I'm like, I want 10, but I also realize that the only way I really recognize my boundaries in my life is by crossing them. And I'm like, you know, five is a lot. <laughs> so, Hey, five. I mean, not a lot of people can say that one is plenty. One is plenty. Five is a lot. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. But the challenge, you know, there is satisfaction here for you, Steve. Yeah. There's a big ROI. There is, you know, and I think more than anything, and you're choosing it. And I think, you know, that that's where that sense of control comes because you can say, just like you with the example of the meeting, you know, you can control the chaos to some extent. And so again, it's that mindset shift of saying, Hey, I'm satisfied, but yet I've got a boundary and let's work within. Yeah. Right. How important is that? Yeah. Well, that's the same thing that, cause I have climbed a lot of mountains across around the world. And that's the same thing that has saved my life when it's like, okay, we're here. We're a thousand feet from the summit. I've climbed a few 22,000 foot peaks. And it's like, I've had to back off whether it's bad health, bad weather, avalanche risk, whatever in that same mentality has saved my life. And so I think, you know, it's like, yeah, push, 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 and let's do amazing things and break down barriers. But at the same time, it's like, if it's going to kill you, then what's the point? Is that something like with your immediate circle of influence, the people that you impact the most, you know, just on a daily basis, Steve, do they operate within that zone too of impact or how would you describe, like, how are you taking your personal impact and what you're describing? How does that ripple effect affect your immediate influence? I don't necessarily hang out with a a lot of people like me, but I do hang out with a lot of people and and talk and, and network, et cetera. And I think just my goal through the businesses and using them as a force for good and positive change is that this is all rippling. So it's like every business needs to be doing something to drive that energy through, whether it's projects in the community or new initiatives, events, et cetera. And so I think people feel that. And I'll tell you what, I mean, as much as I can be around people that are going to, you know, give it back to me, I, I do that. And I'll, 
as you know, just like this conversation, when you are vibing with somebody, it's like synergy. Yeah, exactly. And so as much yeah. as I think that, that we can foster is great. Well, and here's the thing too. I mean, you have a huge awareness of, of who you are and I think the impact that you have and that ability to just have that ripple effect and all of the different things. I mean, you're just a, a great example for those who don't know how to either achieve it or even vision it. And I think you, I mean, you just are a poignant example for so many of just showing up, yep. being that sole thing and then letting them witness, because I think that's the greatest teacher of all. Yeah. Absolutely. Seeing somebody do it. Yeah. 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 Okay. So people, planet, profit, anything else you want to like expand on? I mean, that's like a really big, those are three pillars. The people and planet, it's easy to understand. And it's little things like our employees, we give a day of PTO for their birthday, right? I mean, we give a, we have a $15 minimum wage and there's little things that can make your people better, your employees better. And ultimately that serves me because happy employees are making better products and better company, you know? The planet's pretty easy to understand as well. I would say that profit was the last thing that I focused on. And it took literally took me to about five years ago till I actually started making money. And in one, but now I and I recognize obviously duh the importance of profitability. But it's like as somebody that wanted to change the world, I was just like, top line, if I if I get enough sales, it's you know, it'll work itself out. And that's just not at all the case. And so by saying, you know what, I got a top line goal. And I got a bottom line goal. And if we're, we're not hitting one of them, then we're not doing our job right. But the bottom line serves everything else in the business. So now it's like, you know, profit is really important. We're not going to put profit ahead of people, but we're going to make it as important so that we can serve the people. Yeah. And that's, again, a choice. You know, I've always said passion, not paychecks, right? Pursue your passion. Because when you're in that space, and again, you're a great example of that. I mean, you're very passionate about the things that you do and the paychecks follow. But <laughs> as you've learned, you know, you do have to have strategy. You have to have some critical thinking skills behind that profit and the value of it, because the more you make, the more you can give, right? Yeah. That's a blessing in itself. And so, you know, when you have that money conversation, a lot of people think, oh, money, money. Well, you know what? The more you have, the more you can give. And when you can reframe that, and I think that's a lot of who you are, Steve. I mean, you see it not for earnings for you directly, Mm -hmm. but look at the community, look at the impact. Right. Right. It also, and I'll just say this real quick, it allows me to, so having this profitable company that's performing well, it allows me to sort of be a nonprofit arm once in a while. And whether it was the derecho that came through and, and pummeled our city, and I was able to just take two weeks and spend a lot of money helping people throughout the community or the, the hand sanitizer deal, it allows that freedom to give and do good things. So, I mean, we could have 10 more different conversations. I mean, you are the man of multiples. That's the way I look at this. You know, so let's leverage into some quick advice before we leave. What kind of advice, you know, as an entrepreneur, maybe it's a story of failure that you want to pass along, but give us something as, as entrepreneurs are listening to this and they're hearing this big, beautiful conversation about Steve Shriver, where can you take them that would really give our listener today? I almost ran the company into the ground in 2016 by launching a huge innovation that cost us over a million dollars and didn't catch on. And after that, we had layoffs. It was a bad, bad scene. And so for one, I never wanted to have that happen to us again. So that's where we started focusing on the bottom line. And two, though, 
that innovation led to our largest retail interest for our brand overall. So what I learned was like, okay, don't put everything on the line <laughs> 15 years in, right? Put, you know, put a quarter of it on the line and take some risks, but also know that as long as you're, you're taking smart risks and doing something that, that seems worthwhile to your mission and your cause, there's other positives that can happen from it. So we are strong today because, A, because we lost so much money that year, but also because of the contacts that we made with that innovation. So your setback became your setup. Yes. There you go. That's okay. <laughs> hey, quite it. I always say that a setback is your setup for your comeback. And again, it. it's that mental shift. So when you can be in that space, right, and you're in that setback, you can't see anything else right there, right? Right. But... When you get to the other side of that and you have that little glimmer, you can say, you know what? That setback was a great setup for my next comeback. And then you give it all the power. And essentially, that's what I'm hearing that you did. I mean, you just said, hey, it happened. And success is learning whether we fail or we succeed. We're learning. How are you relating to that with entrepreneurs? That's why I call it practicing business. It's like if a lawyer and a doctor can practice, I'm practicing. I'm getting better. And every day I want to be better at this. Brilliant. Absolutely love it. Okay. So we are coming into the close of this. Tell us okay. about the five companies. Like what are the five businesses for anybody who doesn't know Steve Shriver? Mm-hmm. Give us the, the point. So we want to hear all of those. The Olympic Southside Theater. We are a 10,000 square foot event center in a hundred year old building uh, in the New Bohemia district. I do live music events and weddings, et cetera, and private events. Soko Outfitters. We are Cedar Rapids only Patagonia dealership, uh, camping, hiking, you know, travel, that kind of thing. Let's see here. Bruhemia, we are the busiest independent coffee shop cafe in the Cedar Rapids area. And I will say this, the Olympic, Soko, and Bruhemia were all started as sort of community needs and causes. I saw the, the need for it and we did it. And then we've got Bug Soother, the newly acquired brand of bug repellent and uh, Ecolips, which is this big logo you see behind me. Absolutely fascinating. I think people listen to that. And I mean, you're just tired listening to like, wow, look at all that heavy lifting. I mean, it's phenomenal. So, and I will share, you know, one of my first podcast episodes was with Hap Klopp. Now, Hap Klopp was the founder of North Face and he is just like you, Steve. Like, I mean, he, you know, they started the Gore-Tex, actual Gore-Tex fabric, and it came from recycled World War II gear and that's what started the Gore-Tex product. And that's what leveraged the North Face company. So that's awesome. you're going to be in touch with him. Yeah. So, <laughs> that real connector. Yeah, so I, I definitely see the yin-yang there. Okay. So as we're coming to the close, where can we find you? Like, where's the best way that we can add you to our circle of influence? At Steve Schreiber on Twitter and Instagram, uh, Steve Schreiber on Facebook, steveschreiberpodcast.com, Ecolips, Silk Outfitters, Bohemia, Bug Soother. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That also tells us where, you know, you've just launched this new podcast. Give us the point of, you know, interest about the podcast and like, where, where can we find it? Where can we listen to it? It's available on iTunes, uh, YouTube, there'll be video. Every, it should be everywhere that you can get podcasts. And what I say is like, I'm bringing the gospel of entrepreneurship to people because I'm just like talking in real, you know, authentic Steve voice about the triumphs and the troubles and everything in between. And so it's a little raw, 
but it's reality. Well, hey, that's a great extension to this conversation. And so hop on over. What's the title of that podcast? Steve Shriver Podcast. The Steve Shriver Podcast. So to get more, I mean, what a great way to add your circle of influence. And again, bring your notebook, right? Because there's going to be some note-taking as you're listening to those episodes. I can only imagine how awesome that is. And so I really encourage others to tap into it, subscribe, download, and get a taste of Steve Shriver Podcast. Thank you so much, Marlo. Absolutely. So if you enjoyed this episode, join us over on our Perform and Get Paid community Facebook page, because that's where we're going to engage and respond to your questions. Again, this is Marlo Higgins, your host and chief inspirational officer. Have an awesome rest of your day. Did you enjoy this podcast? If so, subscribe, leave a review and tell your friends. As your chief inspirational officer, I coach passionate entrepreneurs like you to achieve complete confidence and clarity to reach your one-year goal in 90 days. Learn how you can get more done in less time with my number one proven formula for consistency and clarity. Simply go to go.marlohiggins.com to download. Thank you so much for listening and I'll catch you next week on 22 Motivational Minutes with Marlo. 